this. Um, we're going to talk about this idea of changing the temperature and the significance of it and why, why it matters. Um, you ever notice, you ever walk into a room and the temperature is just miserable, right? And you, it's, it's one of the first things you notice, is it not? Like, you notice it right away. Um, have you ever gone to the, like, neighborhood market Walmart in Gresham? It is a, it is a giant freezer. It's, I'm serious. My daughter will, will like, pull up, we got to get groceries, and she's like, Daddy, don't make me go in there, it's so cold. I'm like, we got to get groceries. Put your parka on and your hat and your snow gloves, and let's go get this milk, you know? It's like, it, it, it's miserable, okay? But what's interesting is more than just a place, you notice the temperature and an environment when you walk in, don't you? In a team culture, in a family, in a marriage, in a church. And so here is what I want to talk about as people who are setting influence in our church. Um, I don't want us to walk in a room and be a thermometer and just adjust to whatever temperature is in the room and then so we can just blend in. Um, I actually believe the call of the church is to walk in and be a thermostat and say, no, we are going to change the temperature of what's happening here and, and what that looks like. So I want to talk about four shifts we can make to, to change the temperature of the environments in which we find ourselves. And again, this is in a church team. This is at your place of work. This is on um, a worship team. This is in your family. This is in your marriage. I think, I think these apply to all these different contexts where you're like, hey, the, the temperature needs to change. The temperature needs to shift. So here's four shifts. Uh, shift number one, from apathy to enthusiasm. See, uh, whenever something is new, it's so exciting, right? A new relationship, a new job, a new church, a new city, a new baby. Not a lot of old babies, but a new baby, so you know, we're, we're excited about those. But something happens over time is the newness and excitement wears off, and we start to drift towards apathy. You just, you're just used to it, right? Think about your job, Okay. How excited were you on day one? Like, oh man, this is so full. I can't believe I get this job, right? I get to go to this building. I get a commute. I stop and get my bagel and my coffee. Listen to my podcast on the way. I love being downtown. This is amazing. I love the people I work with. Hey, Gary, what's up, Gary Bear? Hey, we got nicknames already. You know, you're like all excited about it, okay? And then a few months or a few years, pretty soon it starts to change, does it not? This building is lame. I hate being in this space. I'm so tired of this commute. These customers are so frustrating. Good morning, Gary. Yeah, I don't care, Gary, okay? You know, it's just like there's this shift that starts to take place. We start out excited, yet we naturally drift towards apathy. Again, this is work, relationships with the Lord. This is family, marriage, serving in the church. But this is not what the Lord calls us to. He calls us to be examples. He calls us to be salt. He calls us to be light. In Romans 12, Paul calls the church and he says, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And so what I want to call you to is not excitement, okay? Excitement is going to wear off. 
I want to call you to enthusiasm. I, I use this word very specifically. You know why? You know what the word, the root of the word enthusiasm is? It's en, in theos. You know what theos means? It means God. It's rooted in God. That in God, we can have a deeper meaning. We can have a deeper passion. We can have deeper significance, a deeper burden for what we are doing, whether that's gratitude or appreciation or passion. Enthusiasm is stoking the fire in your heart for whatever you're doing. It's stoking the fire for raising your kids. It's stoking a fire for serving your church and our city. It's stoking the fire for your relationships with your loved ones. It's for work, for all these different things. The fire is there. You just have to dig it up. And what's incredible is enthusiasm is contagious, is it not? Man, you walk in a room that's apathetic, and you're just like, oh, okay. But somebody enthusiastic like, walks in, and it starts to spread immediately it starts to spread. And here's what I just want to say. It is not your job to force others to be enthusiastic. Okay, that's how we think, you know, often we influence people. Okay, uh, participate with me on a little bit. Okay, so I know you guys are all excited to be here, all right? Uh, uh-huh, yep, yep. But just pretend it's like a mediocre level, okay? Like, you know, it's just been a long week and stuff like that. And somebody comes up and is like, hey, how's everybody doing? And what do we typically do? We go, oh, you can do better than that. How's everybody doing? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was really bad. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I asked for it. That's not how you instill enthusiasm. It's not. Um, let's try again, okay? Um, again, mediocre. Not, not, not super excited. Not with Chick-fil-A in your belly, right? Um, how's everybody doing? I am, I am so excited to be here tonight. I, I am so grateful that on a Monday night, this church would gather together, push all the things aside, and that we would worship God. I am so grateful that nine and a half years in, we are still pressing forward on our mission. Isn't it, isn't it a joy that we get to gather together in this room, in this space? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. It makes up a little bit for Hannah making fun of me earlier, okay? <laughs> now, here's, here's what I want you to understand, Stan. Um, I'm not cultivating fake excitement when I say things like that. I know I'm using it as an example, um, but I'm actually digging for genuine enthusiasm within myself. I have to, when I walk in a room, I, I tell myself, like, I better have a fire burning within me. And... And if I have a fire burning within me, you know how you spread it? Through proximity, through spending time with other people. Enthusiasm, it is contagious. And so our job is not to force others to be enthusiastic. It's our role to cultivate the fire and passion within ourselves, that in theos, in God, this is what I get to do, and then allow that fire to spread to others. Um, uh, kind of a confession, when we first started and kind of first planted, um, we, we multiplied out to two services and we were doing these night services, okay? So we had 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And there was a drastic difference between the 4 p.m. and the 6 p.m., okay? Some of you guys remember those days. The 4 p.m. was hopping, right? You know, we were like moving curtains back all the time, I could, you know, trying to figure out how to get enough people in there. And then the 6 p.m. was all the people who uh, 
just served at the floor and were exhausted. And then they would come in and like, and I used to have this thing where I would like get done with a four and then I'd walk in the room and I'd always, we had these curtains and I'd like peek behind the curtain to see what the 6 p.m. And there was these moments, yeah, some of you guys saw me. You're like, yeah, what's he doing? And I would just like, oh man, like you could just feel the vibe. And I would, I would actually get up and I would start, I just feel, I would feel discouraged. I'd be like, okay, let's get through this, right? Um, and then something happened in me. Um, you know what happened in me? Um, there was this period of time called COVID. <laughs> and I had to spend three months preaching to a couch <laughs> or a blank wall. And it was miserable. And I, like, I just like missed my people. And I remember we started gathering back together. Um, and uh, it, here's a picture from one of the nights we, got, we, we were worshiping together in this back room. I will remember this night forever. There was like 20, maybe 30 people, socially distanced, you know, worshiping together, right? And it was sacred because it was like, I'm with my people again. Um, can I tell you, um, I don't care who shows up to church. It could be six of y'all up front, and I'm going to preach my heart out because I am so, there's, there's, an, there's a new fire within me, a new gratitude for what I get to do um, because there is an experience within me. This is what it means to move away from apathy to enthusiasm. And this next one is tied to it and it builds off it. It's the shift from I have to to I get to. Yeah. Uh, again, COVID hits and every parent became a homeschool parent immediately, right? And we were getting ready to homeschool our kids. And Jesse had a friend drive by with a little gift and a little card and opens the card. And it's just this re reminder, you don't have to do this, you get to do this, right? And it's just this beautiful reminder. Now about six weeks in, we were like, <laughs> I don't know, right? Dave and Sherry were like, hey, we're thinking about buying a school. We're like, buy a school, buy a school, we'll help you. Like, get a school, make it happen, right? <laughs> no more, no more, please, no more, buy a school, you know, right? But there's this stirring in this call that we need See, we've lost perspective on things in life that we get to do, and we've started to treat them like things that we have to do. I have to tuck my kids in to bed at night. I have to make dinner. I have to, I have to serve this Sunday. I have to go paint this house. Because life itself is a gift. Again, Paul writes to the church of Corinth. He says, each of you should, this is talking about giving and generosity, generosity but each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God does not want your reluctant gift or service or sacrifice. If you have to, God isn't interested. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your sacrifice. You know what God wants? God wants your heart. And, and there's a burden there that we would, he wants you to cheerfully give to cheerfully serve, to cheerfully pour out your life for him and others. And here's the great tragedy. We often don't appreciate the joys of what we get to do until we no longer get to do them. As the great theologian Andy Bernard from The Office once said, <laughs> I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. We got some, anybody who didn't watch The Office is like, what is happening in the room, right? 
Oh. There's this uh, pastor and leader I follow, and he tells this story about this bald patch of grass he would have on his front lawn, and he hated it. He did everything he could to get the grass to grow, and it would not grow. You know why? Because there was a soccer net right next to it. And he has six kids, and his kids would go out front, and they'd play soccer. And he said, then one day, the house was empty, and the grass was full. And he's like, I would do anything to have that bald patch of lawn back. Parents, can I just call you out real quick? Um, there's going to be a moment where you're going to put your kids down for the last time and you'll never pick them up again. There's going to be a moment that's going to be the last time your kid asks you to come read them a book at night. There's going to be a moment where it's the last time your kid asks you to snuggle with them in bed. You don't have to. You guys, you get to. Would we, would we just, would we cherish these moments? I, I get it, you're tired, you're exhausted, it's hard. Man, I've had a busy week. You guys, you get to come serve in a church. Pu- open, publicly. We get, to, we get to worship in a public space. We get to love on our city. We get to hold our kids. We have no idea how much time we have. And James writes this. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. I had this moment a couple of years ago. I don't know why, it, but it just, it just like rocked me. I can't like shake it. I was in Fred Meyer and I'm walking around and this really old man walked in, pushing, pushing a shopping cart. And he kind of walks in and he kind of just looks around like, where am I gonna go? And I just watched him for a little bit. I know that's creepy, but it's, don't worry about it. <laughs> and he kind of just like wandered through the store like, I don't have anything else to do today. And so I decided to just show up at Fred Meyer and just look at things. And I just felt this prodding in my spirit, this burden of like, that could be me one day. And all the times where I'm like, man, okay. This, man, it's another Sunday coming. I gotta get ready for this. I gotta, you know, late night making slides and I gotta make sure that email gets sent and I gotta make sure this is written and I gotta make sure, oh, kids gotta be tucked in bed and I gotta, and I just stopped and I was like, man, I, like, I will miss these days. There will be a moment where we'll look back and be like, man, if I could just have that moment with my little girl again, if I could just have that opportunity to preach to my church again, if I could just pour that cup of coffee and serve and have that conversation in the lobby, would we shift from I have to do this, I have to serve on Sunday, I have to tuck my kids in bed, to I get to. And man, you, the temperature will change. And so tomorrow when you get up, listen to me, you get to teach a classroom full of kids. You get to wake up next to your spouse. You get to play on the floor with your kids. You get to rake leaves in your yard. You get to serve those customers in your shop. I don't care what it is. Man, would you change the temperature and, and, and say, man, these are the good old days. I'm gonna cherish these. Shift number three, from what's wrong to what's right. Okay, this is, this, man, this, this has been a hard one for me to learn. 
okay? Because why? We're naturally critical, are we not? You walk in and everything's, you know, everything's right, except like, you know, a giant paint spot missed on the wall. What's, who failed, you know? It's like, no, we did so much. Like, yeah, right, okay? Like, that's just how we're wired, right? Sin nature, you know, total depravity, you broken humans, right? We, we turn to these things. And I remember, you know, we're planting church and, and, um, it was just this exciting season of, man, this is what God is doing and hearing stories of life change. And then there would be these comments, right? And people would come up and like, the worst ones are like wrapped in a compliment. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like a chocolate covered turd. They just come and just, <laughs> you're just like, I thought I was getting complimented, but you're, you know, like, and, and like, hey, here's, the, you know, that was really great. Just here's some things that you could, you know, really work on. And what would happen is those would be like rattled me, right? And it was like, oh, instead of like, oh, man, look at, this is amazing what God's doing. I'd be like, no, like that person is frustrated. Like we have to work through this. Like we got we to gotta do something about, you know, about, about what's going on. And, and my energy and even emotional energy and time would go from what is going right to what's going wrong. And so I, I, I learned, I, I got a tool, and I think it's a really helpful tool. It's actually over here, okay? Uh, I'm going to grab it. Um, and I got a suggestion box, okay? And I just, I feel like, I feel like we all just, you know, we just need one of these, like when the complaints, you know, start coming, and we just file them away. You know, um, this, like, this is a good one, yeah, like my old church used to, um, like, save that. No, like, keep that, keep that in there. Um, oh, this is a new one, I love this one. Oh, you should watch this YouTube video, like, you know? You can get these at Costco, Staples. Your life will thank you for it, okay? Yeah, that's a free, that's a free tip right there. Oh. Somebody's like brand new and they're like, I feel nervous about this, this energy. Like, I don't know how. But man, think about this. When you're focusing only on what's going wrong, it has this tendency to discourage demotivate, and create a critical culture. And I just, it's not the way of the Lord. But when we focus on what's right, it tends to encourage and motivate and create a growth culture. Uh, think about it in the context of like marriage and family. Um, what do we do when we're dissatisfied and discontent in our marriage and family? Uh, we, we, we point out flaws. Hey, you need to do this better. Uh, you know the Bible has something to say about this? It really does. Okay, Proverbs 27, 15. A nagging wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof. I didn't write this. Don't get... Do not put this on me. Okay? And, and like, you know, it keeps going. Stopping her is like trying to stop the wind. You're like, all right, Solomon. Okay, relax. I know you got like 600 of them, but like relax, Okay. It's like trying to grab olive oil with your hand. He just keeps going, right? Okay. But, but guys are not exempt from this. Okay, we, we get the New Testament. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let me, let me just ask this. Does nagging on the negative or exasperating really change people? 
No, it does not. It either breaks them or it breaks the relationship. Rather, what we're called to is we're called to build each other up. I watched this video the other day that was just so moving. And uh, it was a photographer, and she was taking these pictures of people um, and capturing their faces. And then she, said, she would say, hey, I, I just want to do something with you. And she'd start filming and take a picture. And, and they're like, what, what are you doing? And she says, I just like to take pictures of things I find beautiful. And then she would take a picture of their face right after. And you'd see this. Can you pull that up, please? You'd see this drastic, drastic trend. It was like, it was almost like she even spoke it into existence, is, is it not? Like the beauty of that smile, you know? I mean, it's powerful. And they did another study. It, it, it actually, it works on animals as well. Um, and so that's not true. Oh, that's, no. That, no. These are just the things I can't show on Sunday, so I'm just having fun at uh, <laughs> okay, let's get to the Bible. Therefore, <laughs> therefore, oh man, it's been a great run, nine and a half years, guys. I've, uh, if I'm turning red, it's because of the jacket. I'm like warm. All right. <laughs> therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in the fact you are doing. You guys, this is the call of the church. Oh, I'm using my discernment. Okay, well, discern your way somewhere else, right? <laughs> Would we follow the way of Jesus and speak life? You know what builds, well, you know what it means to build someone up? It means speaking beauty and strength and honor and nobility into each other's lives until it becomes true of them. It's pouring these things out. I, uh, every Sunday before I preach, um, they put a water bottle out for me. I usually do not drink water, um, but it's like this like safety valve for me, you know what I'm saying? Like, in case. Um, I'm feeling it right now. Um, and I don't know what made her start this, but there's a little girl named Sydney. And one week, she just started putting little handwritten notes on my water bottle. Um, this was one a couple weeks ago. Uh, I say, I, they're in my office. I just save them. I just love them. She just, she just goes, you can do this. You got this. We all love you. I love these notes, you know? People are like, hey, I have some complaints. I'm like, you know what? Talk to Sydney about it, okay? She said I'm amazing, all right? Let's move from what's wrong to what's right. Let's speak life. Um, just an encouragement to you. Would you make a list? Whatever area, maybe an area you're struggling, uh, maybe an area that there's disconnect, maybe it's just something that feels important, but I, I just pick a number, 21 things, right? 21 things that you value and appreciate and are going, that are going right. And then pick a topic. Maybe it's your team. Make a list, man, this is what's amazing about my team. And then write it and share it with them. And listen, you will change the temperature. Write a list about your favorite things about your kids and then share it with them. You will change the temperature. Write it, write it about your spouse and then share it with them. I guarantee it'll change the temperature, okay? Like, it, it, this sh makes a shift and, and that we would pour out words and speak life into one another. And here's the last one, um, just as I wrap up. 
from maintenance mode to let's do something great. Here's what I mean. Let me, let me explain that. I want to show you this chart of the life cycle of an organization. This is how an organization starts. There's the launch, and there's all this momentum in the launch, right? Think of a church plant. You launch, and people are showing up just because it's here. And then you start to like plan strategically. Okay, here's the outreach. Here's the things that we're going to do. And then you reach this point of hopefully sustained health. Okay, we have this critical mass, and we have sustained health. But here's the issue, and this happens not just in churches, not just in businesses, but I think this happens in families, this happens in marriages, is you reach this point and it starts to turn and you get into maintenance mode. You're like, hey, rather than growing, rather than reaching, we need to like protect. We need to maintain all this stuff. Let's hire more people, more managers to, because we have, you know, all, let's hire more people to do these kind of things. And then you start to, you know, go beyond maintenance mode and you get into preservation, right? And, and after preservation, you go, you go into life support. And, and here's my call, okay? Man, that you start to feel that as, even as a church, as a business, as an organization, as a family in a marriage, you need to say, wait, our goal is not to just be in maintenance mode. We need to relaunch something. We need to do something that gives us some momentum in this area. Okay, it, this can be true of churches. Or, sorry, this can be true of marriages, that they get into maintenance mode. Think about it, all right? Let's just stick together until the kids are out of the house. That's maintenance mode. That's preservation. That's just holding on. It can be true of, of, of businesses. It can be true of Churches, I can't tell you how many churches I interact with that are in preservation mode and don't even realize it. What are they doing? They're like, oh man, pre-COVID, things were, you know, like you're trying to live in the past. There are churches that are like zombie churches. They are no longer reaching anybody and they're just trying to preserve the good old days. You have to bend the curve in those moments. Launching a new endeavor Maybe your family needs a new endeavor. Maybe you're like, you know what? We've just been preserving. Like, we need to take that trip. We need to make those memories. Maybe what you need is a new strategic growth. Listen, we've gotten stagnant, and before things get bad, we are gonna go to counseling together. We're gonna, we're gonna work through what this looks like. As a church, as a team, whatever it is, and I think about this all the time in our church. You know what I think about? I'm like, we need our next mountain to climb. I, I'm serious. I think about this all the time. Like, this is pretty nice. Like, this is a lot of work to get in this building and kind of establish, and then it's like, man, this feels like sustained health right now. This is what it is. But guess what's right around the corner? Maintenance mode. If we are not, if we are not saying, Lord, what's next? What are you calling us to next? And listen, I do not want to maintain what we've accomplished I want us to do something great. I want us to pour out for the next generation. I, I, I want to build. And if we're going to do something great, we're going to have to rally together. We're going to have to be desperate for the presence of God. See, when you have these mountains to climb and these directions to go, it builds. It takes energy. It takes unity. It takes camaraderie. And this can be the same in your family, your kids, your marriage, your work. You take your family. What if this week it wasn't about just getting through the end of the week? What if, you may, what if your goal was, let's make this week unforgettable. Let's, let's raise kids in a home. What would it take for your kids one day, 20 years from now, to look back and be like, man, we just made unforgettable moments and memories as a family. These things that we cherish. What, what if you got your marriage? What if it wasn't just in maintenance mode? 
What if you started to say, what legacy do we want left because behind because these two souls mingled together? What if you started to doing, doing getaways every year? What if you started journaling down and documenting the way that God is moving in your hearts and your lives? Uh, for work, what if working 45 years then retiring wasn't the goal? What if doing something truly impactful with your time, the time that you have on this earth was the goal? What if you took a risk, bought that investment, started that business, applied for that dream job? Like what if you failed and lived to tell about it? What if it succeeded and you got to enjoy the adventure? Listen, church, what if our goal as a church wasn't to just be one more dying old group of gray hairs yelling at the sky and getting mad at the next generation? Pretty aspirational. I guess you're like, he's snarky tonight. <laughs> but what if decades from now, people had no idea who we were, but they knew that a group of people rose up, followed the call of the Lord, planted something of significance in this city that was transforming for generations to come. They don't need to know our names. They just need to know his name and to experience his church. You guys, let's change the temperature. Lord, we are so grateful for the way you move in our lives, the things that you call us to. Lord, I thank you for this room and the call that we are all worship leaders. We, we can set the temperature. Would we set the temperature in our families? Would we change the temperature in our marriages? Would we impact this city in the way that Jesus called us to, to be salt and light for his Father's glory, that his name would be made famous. Lord, we are so grateful that we get to do this. Would you just instill in us a gratitude and a thankfulness and a steadfastness in our hearts as we continue to press forward? and what you have for us. And all God's people said.